We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bearcast, a partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rob. Alongside me, as always, is Andy. Andy, how are you doing on this Saturday without Cal football? Don't expose my Saturday nights. Goodness. I'm doing great. How are you, Rob? I I didn't watch a single minute of college football today until you texted me right before we were recording and was like, can we record after the SC Utah game? And that's why I turned on the SC Utah game. You are very welcome. Yeah. But outside of that, it's been great. I've been able to catch up on other things, get some errands done. Um, it was nice. I love having the bye week in the middle of the season. It kind of helps me recalibrate for the rest of the season with Cal football on Saturdays. Uh, and also get me ready for basketball season, which is on the horizon. Already. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a busy few months. So it's like the perfect like little little vacation week from my end. But uh, how'd you spend your your Saturday? I spent it by watching several different college football games. <laughs> the exact opposite of me. Two tennis matches, but it was great. And I'm now mentally preparing for USC. So everything I'm doing is now figuring out scheduling for next Saturday and I love seeing SC lose. I think they've just gone back to being my number one enemy again. And I just that Utah game, ah, oh, Chef's kiss. Amazing. Absolutely beautiful. I feel bad Absolutely for Simon, but oh well. Too bad. Y'all did to yourselves. <laughs> you brought this upon yourselves. Uh yeah, what a great week. What an absolutely great week. I mean yesterday I was out at the Akalani's game uh, just filming Spider-Man 2 comes out yesterday the new Mario game comes out yesterday I haven't been able to touch either of them but man what a great what a great weekend um, so far by the way Trevor Rogers, Cal commit three touchdowns last night and and Andy I know you'll appreciate this his last one Makai Polk-esque in a bubble in a tunnel screen from the slot Ooh. how beautiful is that yeah, and he I took it. That. He took it to the house. Forty. It was like a good. I need to look back at the yardage, but from my end, it looked like a good seventy yards. How's Akalani's doing? 
They are undefeated in conference play. They start off the season 0-3, um, which is out of conference. And then in league play, they are currently undefeated. Uh, they have two more games left before playoffs. They take on Atlas Lomas this upcoming Friday, which I unfortunately cannot be at. And then next Friday um, is their rivalry game at home against Campo. Wow. To cap off the season. That's going to be a fun one. If you've never been to like a high school football game or a local high school football game, I highly recommend you come out that Friday at Akalani's. It's a fun time. The vibes are different on Friday Night Lights. How so? I don't know. The energy just is different. I, you know, granted, it's like high school kids. I think the, you know, a lot of it's it's uh it's a lot more personal, right? Because it's like your classmates, um, people that you're going to school with in a smaller high school setting. Yeah. All the people in attendance are either alumni or parents or teachers or you know. Uh, people that have to do with the school and so yeah it's just those those it's and the stadium's a lot closer right it's not huge so yeah it feels more tight-knit um you can hear the sense i love that yeah just the vibes are nice the vibes are nice i just like being out there plus i get field access so i'm just like sitting on the grass during you know in between quarters because they don't have tv timeouts right so this these games go by quick it's a two-hour football game because there's you know i think akalani's beat uh Beat me or money last night, 49 to zero. And the entire fourth quarter was a running clock outside of the ball going out of bounds or an injury. Wow. So, yeah, these games go by quick. I like that. I like that. Cheap hot dogs, cheap popcorn. Support the kids. (laughs) All right. All right. We got it. We have a hard enough time getting people to come to Cal home games, let alone (laughs) Akalani's. All right. Let's talk about the Utah game. Let's talk about it. Do you want to do a run through of the stats? Uh, I was, I mean, were we going to do our normal vibe check? Yeah, vibes are good. Vibes are good. If anyone, I don't know if anyone that was specifically listening to the podcast came to Doke Beer on Saturday, but there was a lot of people that were right for California slash California Golden Blogs kind of long time mm-hmm followers which was super super cool and uh just like great to see people coming up to rob and to avi and talking about following along for a long time and putting a face to the name and just like it was really cool to see all that and uh yeah outside of a couple of hey like i'm not going to mention things that happened (laughs) with our sound um it was great it's good vibe and i think there's a core there that you can build on, but the product on the field really hurting that. <laughs> yeah. yeah if Rico, Rico's just balanced it. Just, just dipped. He was like, dude, enough. I, as soon as we missed that field goal. And so did my heart really. If I'm being honest with myself, it's like yeah. that missed field goal was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. That was the, do we have a little bit of hope? Can we put mm-hmm. a little bit of pressure in Utah? And Nope, we cannot. That was the nope. That was the, you've seen this before. Yep. So I don't blame them at all. And I don't blame anybody else. I think I left early as well. Um, I left with about six, five, four minutes left or something in the fourth. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, the vibes, vibes are really good though. And I think, uh, I hope that, I think a lot of people are looking at this SC game. It's the last time we're playing USC. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine we're going to put a good, hopefully like thirty-five to 40,000 people in the stadium and I just get the sense 
from being around some other cow people today that it's like this one means a lot and uh you want to you want to win the last one but yeah i don't know what did you think about the vibes rob i mean tokyo beer is always a good time uh we had a blast um i got there way too early (laughs) but i did enjoy my nice omelet from the oakland grill uh and uh yeah it's the weather was great you know everyone was having a good time you know the, the games might suck but like you know the group of guys that we watch games with and have started to have watched games with over the last i don't know how many years now is it andy um it's they're fun it's it's a good group to watch a game with because like no one's like down in the dumpsters about it everyone's like laughing having a good time like regardless of what the score is and so on um you know, in some ways, I think that that is super true, and it's a great thing. It's almost a healthy way of looking at college football. Because someone was asking me, who was it? They were asking me if you know if a game really ruins my day. And I thought to myself, and I was like, well, the losses really used to ruin my day. The yeah. Niners game last week definitely put a downer on my day. Yeah. But... Has a cow game ruined my day? And it and I was just like, I it has not in a long in a couple of years. I don't think it's really ruined my day. And that's actually kind of sad. Yeah, we're losing our youth, Andy. That's what it is. <laughs> well, is it our youth or is it we have become so accustomed to losing? Is it both? I think both. it's more that we've just become accustomed to losing. I don't think like my passion for the program has changed. I mean, it. I guess it has because of you know life progressing on and and having a baby and like the things that have distracted me from yeah from it because you can't really afford to sulk or l- lounge around all day. Like you're also not you on social anymore. media anymore, so you're not interacting with the immediate like repercussions of of a loss. Oh, uh, good point. Yeah, very true. Right. I don't You're have not, to sit there and just like yeah, it's not an echo chamber. Yeah, so many different tweets of this and that. Yeah. I read it. I read this right for California stuff though, and I see the comments and the same people making the same comments, and I read all that. But yeah, it doesn't. I don't commiserate as long as I used to. I used to really feel like I had needed an outlet for my disappointment after we would lose a game. I distinctly remember that. And you go in, and I, I was watching the Oregon-Washington game after the Cal game, which was just an amazing football game. And I guess this is going to – we're just going to meander here. We are. But there were a couple of things. One, I missed caring about a game the way that those – I could see – you could just feel the passion. You felt how much that game mattered. Not only because it was the biggest rivalry game, Oregon and Washington hate each other, but then on top of it, you have playoff implications. They've – I don't think they've ever played a game ranked that highly before. Yeah. And you just felt all of... And, and the funny thing about it, too, is because as an outsider, I was trying to tell when they, they missed the kick. I was trying to tell my Oregon fans that are friends of mine, even though they're all kind of like have made me dislike Oregon. <laughs> but I was trying to tell a few of them that like I don't really see this negatively impacting them other than outside of their chances to win the Pac-12. And I think Washington will, I mean, it's the Pac-12, dude. Like everyone's like, oh, the Pac-12 is so good. Like Washington's going to lose a game. We just, this is what we do. 
This is what we do. We do not put a team into the four-team playoff. It's just what we do. <laughs> so they'll lose a game. And I don't know, you know, if Oregon will have the chance to sneak into the Pac-12 championship in that scenario, but it really doesn't change much for me. And I think if Washington went on to go and win the Pac-12, let's say they didn't lose a game and Oregon had a one-loss resume, I, I think in this Pac-12, albeit looking a little weaker now that USC um, has a couple of losses to its name, I just don't, I didn't see that they had that much risk. I felt like in this scenario, it was kind of a win-win. But at the same time, I could acknowledge the fact of how you could feel how much they wanted to win it. And then, going back to my original point, I have felt like I haven't felt like that in three or four years. Other than the big game. The big game, I always want to win that way. And I do think the big game, maybe that's the last one that ruined my day. The one where we had the, the extra point blocked. Uh, uh, in 2020 in COVID when you had to watch at home? Yeah. <laughs> the blocked extra point in the game that we clearly should have won was clear as day. Handed that game away. Well, blocked extra two, point. Two kicks blocked on the same that, same stand or on I, the same style of defense. I get ruined. That one ruined my day. But yeah, it's been a while. I don't know, Rob. How do you feel about that? I mean, there's not a lot I can argue against that. I, I you know, I think it's just a, it's going to take a little self-reflection of like what percentage of it is me growing up and kind of refusing to let a loss like sour my mental health for an entire day or an entire week. Um, But also, yeah, maybe, maybe there is a part of it where it's just so many losses that you've become numb to it and you've compartmentalized it. Um, I'm trying to figure out like the opposite of that, right? Like what? It was has there been a game in the last let's say just under the Wilcox tenure of a win that has carried and like upped my mood and mental health for like more than twenty four hours? I can't really think of one. I think the last one Hell yes. maybe that wait, I could wait, think wait, wait. of. What were the parameters? What were the parameters? So like let's it's the exact opposite of what we're talking about, right? Like you know how we're talking about a loss that like ruins more than just your day but yeah in wilcox tenure i mean the big game right a big, a winning the big game in 19 right reclaiming the 19 big game yeah um whenever the hell that washington state game was that's what i was about to say i think that's the last one for me is if i wanted to go a little bit further back was that friday night game uh 2017 it was 2017 there was a world was- in which i could see going back and like tracking wilcox the thing is dude with wilcox to your point those wins feel distant now. They are. That's why this this game just really pissed me off because we used to come in, and this goes back to what I was talking about with Oregon, and this goes back to what I was talking about in the last couple of podcasts. I don't think our defense is the defense that used like of old, where we could go in and smack people in the mouth. And even today, when I'm watching these games, I just see. You know, I, I see teams in defenses that make plays that look way different than ours. And it's so weird to me that it seems like Wilcox has to play this game of whack-a-mole where it's like the offense is looks different than everybody else's in college football besides yep. Iowa. So we get to go fix it. 
Yep. And he goes and fixes it. And then it's always the defense. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder myself, it doesn't do me any good to think this way, but I'm starting to be like, are we not being honest enough with ourselves in the offseason as a coaching staff when we're evaluating what we have? And then are is it taking us too long to form an opinion on what isn't working and we're adjusting super late to it? Is that part of the culture of not firing anyone? Is that you're very reluctant to see what's in front of you? You know they talk about like this practice of what are your sacred cows? What are these things that have been mainstays in what you do? And can you go and I, I, it's a little graphic, but can you go and kill some of those sacred cows? Right? Because they shouldn't be sacred. I think another way of looking at it is like, how can you disrupt yourself? I heard the founder of, or the CEO of fanatics, not really sure if I'm a huge fan of the guy because of your experiences, Rob, of explaining that to Diana, but he said the same thing. He said that I'd rather disrupt myself than be disrupted by somebody else. I was like, okay, interesting point. And I, uh, my question to you is, are we disrupting, are we thinking enough, and specifically is Wilcox thinking enough about things that could disrupt his program and their success? Or do you feel like he is maybe on the other side, slightly too comfortable or neither of those. doesn't have to be either. Those are just suggestions. Dude, that's such a, that's a million dollar question. Like that's something we would need to like sit down with like a, a sitting head coach and talk about that. Cause like, look, you and I have both played somewhat of organized sports and have been around even like, a lot of these Cal coaches, you know, in those pressers and, and whatever, whatnot, like there's a part of them that people don't understand of how competitive they are to a degree that we can't even fathom. Right. And so the point I'm trying to make here is like, I, there are coaches that are fully leaned into, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to adapt and change my mantra of how I approach this sport as long as I win. That's all that matters to me, purely the winning. And some would say that's probably the type of head coach you want. But that's also you're you're selling your values at that point. And so and then you have the flip side of that where there are coaches that are I am going to play football or coach basketball or coach coach whatever sport the way that I want it to be played and I will not give up an inch on that. And that's like the opposite end of that spectrum, right? And so you have you have coaches that have been like that. I, we can name a bunch. Yeah. And then personally, I want someone who's kind of in the middle that's willing to change and adapt with the times, but also is, is unwilling to change and just purely adapt and sell out for the win. And so I don't know where Wilcox is right now as a, as like, you know, cause we're not in those off season meetings and we're not in those like self scouting at the end of the season meetings um, and decision-making meetings. But the record as it stands right now leans into a bit more of the, I'm going to stand by what I do and how I want it to play versus 
like I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. I don't think he's he's like 100% on that side either. I think if if I were to give it like a percentage split, I think it's like 70-30. Just seeing that he's made changes and he's like adapting to like what he thinks would get us the wins. And to your point exactly is are those changes maybe coming a bit too late? And if we're purely looking at maybe coaching change decisions, they definitely look like they are. Yeah. They definitely seem like it's too late and he keeps getting surprised by what the results are in season because there's confidence in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, I think about Musgrave last year and I think about when we had Jack Plummer, there was so much confidence coming out of camp and there was so much that I was reading or I was hearing about. Wilco- you could tell that Wilcox has that offense he likes. He has a quarterback he likes. And then he s- discovers as the season plays out, that it's not materializing the way that that he had envisioned it. And then, but I don't know. I mean, you can play the devil's advocate and say, yeah, like, of course, everybody knew that. And then I think the flip side of it is, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's easy for us to be armchair and say, yeah, it was super obvious, but that's I mean, the benefit of being outside of the program. Yeah, high tech's always twenty twenty. Yeah, and I, I can't emphasize that enough. When you're going through it, I mean, the, we were talking about this with, I mean, super relevant with Utah was my experience working underneath Andy Ludwig, underneath Tedford with the program. And I was talking about how Ludwig just did not vibe at all with, and, and the offense didn't work and it was a constant frustration and Tedford and Ludwig didn't necessarily always see eye to eye. And then he goes to Utah and he's had a ton of success. So it, it's not always easy to see what is and isn't working and why it is or is not working. I think that was last year. And I also think like the Giants went through it with Kapler this year where he was saying, you know, if it was one thing, we would solve the one thing and then we would be better. It's not one thing. I think Wilcox, I distinctly remember him saying that. It, if it was one thing, yeah, we would just change that one thing and be better. But it's often not. The... the the thing that I cannot wrap my head around is because is because Wilcox really checks the boxes for me as a competitor, as a person, as a coach off the field. But I keep seeing things that other people are calling out ahead of time. And this just so happens to be on the defense. And this one I think I can be a little bit more lax on than the offense. For it was very obvious that. Musgrave wasn't going to be the right pick. And and it was probably pretty obvious from 2020 on, and we gave him a longer leash than that. So be it. But with Sermon, it was already questionable. It potentially had Gerald Alexander leave because of favoritism. I'm reading in a lot, a lot to that, but right, that's there's like underlying impact of that you also lose tdr who i think was always gonna leave i mean if you look at the resume the guy's two years everywhere two years two years two years two years so it's like can't totally say that the assistant or splitting sorry co-defensive coordinator and then turning him to assistant head coach and all that was the reason that he jumped to oregon but it's hard not to look at sermon and you did 
get, the problem is you did get that blip. And you have that run of success. What was it, 21, right? Defense was top 35. Am I right on that, Rob? I think you're right. I mean, of course, our best defense was 2018, but... Oh, yeah, of course. No, no, I'm not saying the best. I'm just saying... Yeah, yeah. If I'm a, I'm trying to think about this from an evaluation mindset. Yeah, you, you, you set the benchmark with that 2021 defense. And so you hit 21, and it really wasn't, if I remember correctly, the beginning as much it was, we had a very strong end. But it was not... It wasn't the 2018 or the 2019 Cal defense where I think you could feel that we would go in, we could, we could go shut people down. We'd be like, hey, SC, we know you're going to do this. This is your tendency, air raid. We're going to shut that down. You're going to have to beat us a different way. We know how to do that. I feel like that was the early Wilcox TDR defenses. Yeah. You have tendencies. We know what you're going to do. We're going to build a bunch of disguises, different looks, throw a lot of pressure your way, and we're going to force you off of your game. And if you can win off of your game, then hats off to you. But we're going to do it. And now... This defense, I think we talked about this, is very bend, bend not break. It's like, we're it's what the Niners did against the Browns. It's like, all right. I, I think, I keep coming back to these comparisons. I think this is perfect. You look at people's frustrations with Steve Wilkes' performance, and it sounds ridiculous because we held the Browns, what, like sub-20? You should win those games in the NFL. Yeah. I get it, right? People are have always having... Too big of a reaction to think, I think Wilkes is great, but what did people like about D'Amico Ryan's? Well, D'Amico Ryan's defense was always creating havoc in the backfield. Always. And you saw it with Nick Bosa. You saw it with our, like, with Eric Armstead. And it was, and it was the same way with Robert Sala. And it's not as much of that. With Steve Wilkes, whether it's player, personnel, whatever, they're trying to adjust. And we'll see what that book's going to be when at the end of the season. But it does strike me as a lot of what I liked with, with our defense with TDR was havoc in the backfield. And now I feel like we have none of that. And it's not even, it's not even a feel. I know we have none of that. We have no sacks in Pac-12 play. I think that is as damning of a statement as any. How could we possibly go and force somebody out of their tendencies or their game plan if we cannot put pressure on the quarterback? The only way we can do it is if we have the best fucking defenders in the world in the secondary. And I think our secondary has been pretty damn good. Like, Lou's been burned a couple of times. But outside of that, I think we actually have really good defensive backs. But we're asking way too much of them. Way too much. And we have nothing that is giving us the ability to change a game defensively unless one of our DBs makes an amazing play. Um, 
you know, I, I think the one game I'm thinking of is where we like had a little bit more of that pressure. It didn't materialize in a sack was Arizona State. And then that ended up being, you know, the big play in the secondary that came out of that. But I'll say one last thing, Rob. And then I just want to hear your thoughts here. We talk a lot about turnovers and this defense in the first few weeks had a lot of turnovers. And you and I both were somewhat unsettled by that because we felt that you can't control you you can't control as much like turnovers have some aspect of luck involved. Right place, right time, good bounce, bad bounce, whatever it is, I personally think a turnover is a result of good things that you things that you did well but there's also just inherent luck that happens or like good fortune that happens in order to create that opportunity it's not that you can't create it it's not that you can't manifest it just that you have luck in that what can you have a hundred percent control over that like I, I think you legitimately could say if you win in the trench you have complete control over whether or not you win in the trench in the trenches we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I Like player to player... Scheme to scheme, you have the ability to out-scheme and outplay. And and you don't need luck to favor you there. It can help, but you don't need it to favor you. So to me, that's your biggest controllable on defense is whether or not I can force, whether or not I can control time. That's it. If I can control time, the time that the quarterback has with the ball to make a decision, whether he hands it off, whether he throws it, what type of progressions he gets into, how far, you know, the receivers are like all of it. You have the ability to control time. That's the only place I really think that you can actually on defense have that level of control. And we have none of it. So it's driving me bananas. There's a lot there. So I would love to hear. <laughs> would love to hear your thoughts. You're handing me the soapbox after you you got up to say that in front of everyone. Uh, 
Dude, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, man. And oh, where to where to even begin? I mean, let's start at the top. And I, I and I want I don't want to talk the whole time. I want you to be like, uh, what's it commenting and, and saying other and what's it reacting as as I talk to. Okay, so because this is a conversation. Um, let's look at the facts, right? Fact is, um, well, okay. First off, we got we got to start with like a, a big picture thing. Avi and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago, and I, th- I I can't remember if I mentioned it on the pod or not, but or if I was just talking to you about it and I mentioned it. But one of the big things is that this all comes down to to recruitment and development, right, of players, because a lot of that can mask some of your coaching mistakes or decisions that you go with. But that's what it purely falls down to, particularly in collegiate athletics. The issue here is, like, we can go with the offense for a second. Like, the the offense's inability to recruit athletes is starting to show now. That we're having to take gambles on guys like Brian Hightower, on guys like Taj, Taj Davis. Who I think, by the way, I think Taj had a great game at Utah. Uh, except for that one drop, um, that touchdown pass from Mendoza, I think was that route was ran perfectly. And there's a couple other routes that he ran just to perfection. But that one down the sideline that he dropped, like just that one really hurt. Um, that's a little side note there. Uh, but you're you're seeing now, and this is what Avi said, was you're seeing now the effect of not recruiting guys and developing them and, and keeping them for a while or or in other words not striking gold on guys that you've recruited in and that's basically what we're seeing now and i think defensively that's been the case for a few years now like hithliday who is who's uh who writes and is the editor for addicted to quack the organ site um he always used to say cal's defense and he's one of the like I think one of the best Pac-12 analysts like for football, like he watches so much tape, it's ridiculous. Probably the only person that compares is Christopher H on Right for California. But like the big thing with the thing that he said was Cal's best defense was when they had a nose guard that could eat up offensive linemen. Notably, the guy that was the the dude in twenty eighteen was Chris Palmer. And ever since Chris Palmer's graduation Cal has not been able to replicate that defense because they don't have a guy that anchors that middle of the line that allows guys like Cam Good, that allows guys um, like Alex Funches, you know, just to be able to run havoc on the edges. That's the issue with our pass rush is like Brett Johnson's back and he's playing there with Ricky Correa, right? Like edge slash nose if we go with an even front. And you see Brett eat up like double teams or, or sometimes even triple teams. But the guys on the outside just aren't winning those one-on-ones. And like that's also because, once again, we're, we're not we, – it seems like, you know, of course, Transfer Portal and NIL has like a big influence on how this has transitioned over the last three years. But the big thing there is – we're not hitting or or getting the guys that we want in from the get-go. 
right? Like Carlton has come in after one year at Utah and we wanted him here, right? Um, when he was a freshman. But like, like I love Carlton, but like they're, they're all, I mean, we don't know the reasons why, right? But there has to be a reason like Utah was okay with him leaving. Like and not breaking into that defense. And that defense hasn't lost a beat. Um, like there's just there's just a lot there on that defensive line and and the linebackers that like we never we never honestly like let's look back at even the linebackers right like our best linebacking tandem of JK and Evan Weaver we didn't really replace JK until probably Sermon and we probably didn't replace Evan Weaver until Elarb Zor sorry did I say Jacob Sermon I meant Jackson Sermon um so like we're not we we're not getting the guys like to kind of reload on the defensive end. We're having to play this like okay, we didn't get this guy, but can this guy suffice? Or like can we take like dude, our our just look at our edges, right? Like last year, or was it 2 years ago? It was 2 years ago already. Good lord. Like Marquez Bimage was our best edge. Yeah. And he was a grad transfer from Texas that we happened upon. And just like he was thrust into the starting lineup and became a really good pass rusher for us for one season. Like, and we expect, we expect that to happen all the time. Like we did that this year with, um, with David Reese and it just hasn't produced anything outside of the Auburn game. Like, I don't know how many times we're going to be able to like try and with those gambles, but like, you can't take those. You can't keep taking those gambles if you're not developing the foundation to begin with. And that's the issue I have right now with, with the roster. Like, a lot of these guys are great, um, and I love I love the roster as it is. But like talent and like production wise, none of, like, can we realist? Can we rationally look at any of those transfer portal guys that we've brought in and be like, that guy has been a difference maker. That guy has been a difference maker. That guy has been a difference maker. Like, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can identify any of those guys to be like, that's that's like our, that's the jewel of the transfer portal class. Like a lot of these have just been gambles instead of surefire guys Afonso to come is, in and play. Afonso is the jewel of the class. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's that's definitely one. But even, even him, like he's here for one year. I agree, like, he's, yeah. He's out after this year, right? It, it was more of an insurance policy on bringing in some guys because so many guys were injured, right? Because remember, Ifonse was at San Jose State just this spring. Like, he transferred from Montana to San Jose, and before he played a game in San Jose, he came to us. You know? So, like, that's, that's where my frustrations start to lie, is just the talent, evaluation the talent recruitment and um, the talent development just doesn't seem to be there, particularly on the defensive side over a, the last yeah. four years. I mean, to me, it's, I don't know. There's like, it, it, the piece that you guys come back to on recruiting, I, I find it to be interesting because I think Utah is an example. Utah is the counter example in regards to needing to get 
top level talent in order to staff mm. a good team, right? I, I just don't think stars matter. I think your point is it, both of your points is that development matters. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, look, I uh, just the one addendum before you continue. I, but you could also, can't you also argue? That the reason Utah is developing those guys is because they're identifying the guys they want to bring in, not necessarily stars, right? Yeah, but the, the guys that they want to re- to develop at their program. Yeah, I agree. I think yes, you would, you basically have, let's just say, the Utah footprint, or whatever, right? Value value set or whatever it is, and they're going out and they're fi- identifying who would fit into their program exceptionally well and then closing. So yeah. I think to your point, when you have those targets, you have to convert them. And then you can't go, what you can't do is go have to fall back on your second or your third or your fourth option and then say, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's our fourth option, right? It's like, there's a reason it was our fourth option. You really got to close your top one or two. I, I think that's valid. And then I think it's a development piece. Where, I mean, I just want to use this game as an example. So I'm just going to rattle off our top, I don't know. Let's go with top five to start. Top five in tackles for the Utah Cal game. Matthew Littlejohn, Cade, I'll never, Uluave, Patrick McMorris, Noel Williams, Xavier Carlton. Yep. One member of our defensive line participated in that top five. Three out of the five are defensive backs. The next after that's Craig Woodson. So that makes four out of six. Four well, out of six. Craig. No, it's Caleb. I'm sorry, what? It's Caleb. Caleb's next on the list. Caleb, uh, had, Caleb had six total tackles. Woodson had six. Or Caleb had seven total tackles. Caleb had, or Craig had six. Sorry. ESPN is telling me six and six. That's seven so. and six in the record book. So whatever. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, whatever, ESPN. Thanks for nothing. Yes. <laughs> Regardless, it just tells you how the game went. I don't. We don't really have to watch the tape to understand. Okay, how did the game go? And it's like, okay. Well, I mean, to add to your point too, it's it's in a game where Utah rushed fifty three times and only passed twenty two. And we have, oh yeah. And our DBs, what do we have? And our DBs two tackles for loss. Yeah. Two, <laughs> like two. We have literally two. And it's just there's nothing happening with the D line. And it's not that, like, there are plays where we're getting pressure, but we're just not converting those plays. We're hitting guys in the backfield and not tackling. And, I mean, dude, you just can't win football games that way. In years past, I felt like we could compete with any team. And we always had a chance to beat any team. And I have lost that confidence because we just don't look defensively that all that capable of doing what you need to do to upset a top 20 team on the road. Or even though USC is going to come into this game at home or you know on the road against us battered and bruised and their poor little egos not making the playoffs are going to be you know struggling. It's really hard for me to say as much as I would love for Cal to win this game that we can because when I look at our team I, at the end of the day, who's going to win the matchup between Cal's defense and USC's offense? It's not that I don't trust our offense to score against their defense. I think we're perfectly capable of putting up 35 points. Unfortunately for us, I think that they're more than capable of putting up 50 on our defense. 
And and when I'm watching these, you watch other teams play and you just realize like our games don't look the same. Our defense doesn't look the same. We're not like Dan Lanning, what Dan Lanning is doing on defense and the stops that happened in that Washington game or the little bit of the Oregon game that I watched today against Washington State. Night and day. Yeah. And I I don't understand how it happened so fast, nor do I really understand why this was the year. Because I do feel like, to your point, we brought in a lot of talent. Whether we missed on that talent could be, in, you know, could could be a valid question. Maybe we missed on some guys. Maybe the portal, we need more time to coach them up. But I don't know, man. I don't know. It's I mean, just weird because Wilcox came into a team that was Sonny Dykes' defense full of two and three stars and turned them into fucking all-stars. And now we're pulling in guys that are three and four stars, and this is one of the worst defenses I've seen in his tenure. Get, I just, I, I'm I lost for words. <laughs> I, he, well, I mean, look, to answer your thing about Oregon to start, it harkens back to my point, recruiting. I think Horkins never stopped recruiting since the Cristobal era, and they've continued that trend. So there's that. Uh, yeah, just the watching that Oregon-Washington game, it's like the athletic and talent difference is so big. Um, and here's the crazy part like that I was talking to but Avi about. Is like, it though, Rob? Is it – are they are, – are athletes – all that different if Utah's going to go and keep doing what Utah's doing that's the thing as long as Utah exists the counter example exists I mean but that's mm, I mean look I think Utah is identifying the right athletes for what they want to do right and they're and I think the athletes that they're bringing in to that football team is on that level of what Oregon and them are doing. Like, I'm not talking about stars. I'm just talking about just like, just on the field, like talent, right? Like just Oregon and uh, Washington just look like they're on a different playing, like field, different universe. It's crazy that Utah, I think this was in 20, the 2023 class was the first time that Utah had ever had a recruiting class in the top 25 ever unbelievable yeah i i've i want to i i don't know what their schedule looks like for the rest of the year i i do want do they play oregon or washington um i'll look it up right great now. question yeah i think i mean yeah we i and look if if rising is i mean you know what i mean it's like they if do. rising's out still oh god yeah they play oregon next week and then they play washington two weeks so that'll be the test but will it be the test they still don't have a starting quarterback i mean dude the fact that they're like winning these games the fact that they're five and one and they lost their starting quarterback you're right they have an identity they know what it is they recruit like hell for it and they they close I mean, but you also have to look at like how they've how they've won, right? Like it, this feels like the Utah team feels like the exact opposite of us a few years ago, where it's like, look, they they won their first game against Florida, and the Florida looked bad, 
24-11. Then they beat Baylor at Baylor by one touchdown. Then they beat Weber State 31-7. Then they go to they're at home against UCLA and they beat them by one touchdown. It's 14-7. Then they go to Oregon State and lose by two uh, two touchdowns, 21-7. We and then our game, and they beat us by 20. And then they play SC and they they win by two. Like these, they're not they're not winning winning. Like, but the coin flip games are all going their way right now. Which is why I'm saying like the Oregon and Washington game are going to be a little bit more interesting to see if they if if they keep it close or if they just get run out of the stadium. Because they're yeah. the easily that'll they're the two easy easily the most complete teams that they'll have played on their on their schedule so far this season. Yeah, I mean fair. I think that what Utah does well is if I'm or you know, it'd be great. So next week we'll see uh how how it happens with Oregon. But if I come in and I'm an SC, I know what I want to do. And you know, I I want to I know I have a pretty bad defense a, a hurt a defense that's not performing well and then I have, you know, an elite offense. But Utah just comes in every single year. What do they do? They make USC play Utah football. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I just felt like we used to do that. We'd be like, hey, that's cool that you're ranked top 15 Washington State with your fun little Mike Leach offense. Guess what? We're going to make you play Cal football and we'll make you play that grinded out game. We did that last year a lot. I think we like had that. We, I just I just don't think we haven't been able to make people play our game other than Auburn in which we played unfortunately super poorly offensively <laughs> I mean here's the other point I want to make on this is like this this also feels like I, and we're talking about the pact 12 conference as a whole right? This feels like one of those years, and we all talk about it, even the the national talking heads talk about it, like how this is probably the most like competitive conference in the country, with probably six or seven of the best quarterbacks in the country. Like this was a year where the Pac-12 took a massive jump forward as a whole. Some teams went from like a B minus B to an A plus. Some teams went from a C all the way up to like an A minus. And there are some teams that went from like a D to like a B minus. But like even even then, like some of those jumps weren't enough because so many teams made that jump into that A or S rank. And that's kind of how I feel like what, what happened with us is like, yeah, we might have improved and we we probably do look better as a team in probably any other conference year. But this year within the Pac-12, there are just so many better teams than us. Like just more complete teams. Like, and it it absolutely sucks. <laughs> absolutely sucks. I don't find myself thinking about this season as if as if the league got so much better that we just couldn't hang with it though. I, I think I mean I think you're right, and that going to the ACC will be will be in more football games naturally by not playing this gauntlet of a schedule that we've had to play. But I also don't find myself thinking that 
the league got that much better and we sort of got a little bit better. It, you're not. It's not wrong though. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to say it's wrong. I, I mean, the biggest thing. The biggest thing for us that's different. That's different from every other Pac-12 team, in my opinion. We just don't have a quarterback. We don't. We 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 genuinely just do not have a quarterback that's playing up to par, or like a quarterback that we're looking at going. Okay, we're playing him because we're building towards the future. Man, Jack Plummer, dude, sitting right here. We just don't I- have it. <laughs> we lost so this game what was it 24-14 we're driving downfield yep and then Mendoza hits or or after the Mendoza touchdown in the third quarter we're, we're within 10 and then we're driving down and then you're going to talk about what the missed field goal yeah Mendoza gets hurt then we have Finley come Finley in. Finley comes in Finley for a little out. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Mendoza comes back in. We're forced to a field goal. We miss the field goal. And then we give up the like 80-yard touchdown to a safety that's playing running back. Yeah, who's still who still played running back even today against SC and was <laughs> really, really good. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just... <sighs> It felt so familiar in some ways. See, to me, that doesn't seem like it's a different Pac-12 or that we're like, like, I didn't feel like we lost to a revamped or retooled or different Utah team. I felt like we lost the same way that we've been losing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We don't win in the trenches. You're right. We have inconsistent play at quarterback, but like, Signs of life with Fernando Mendoza. A, a more interesting offense, but we we lose in the trenches and we give up. We, we do something dumb on special teams, like miss a field goal. And we give up an 80-yard touchdown with the following play right after. I Call me crazy, but that feels like the last 10 years. <laughs> like, that, is that the life of a Cal fan? Cer- certainly seems like mine. It probably is. I, yeah, there's so just... I, I, I just don't know, man. Like, I don't think I see the Pac-12. I'm not like, oh, yeah, this is a totally different Utah team. Or like, I think like, yeah, Oregon State is very different than the Oregon State of old. But like, they're still consistent with who they have been under Jonathan Smith. And I think the two teams I could say are vastly different are Washington and Oregon. Like, they just don't look the same like they've clearly step level improvement right really you see it to your point you see the athleticism on the field but besides that i don't know like that's why this game was winnable that's why this game like that's why i think on the utah podcast there was legitimate fear from them when they were coming in yep so they say oh it's a wilcox defense we haven't been able to perform on offense history tells me that this is going to be a tough game for us to win and it wasn't 
And so that's where I, I sort of lose. I just can't make sense of it because to me, this was one of those games that when people asked me, I said, yeah, I think we can win this game. Like this was a, this was a game. I know that might sound crazy, but I thought it was winnable. If you put, give me the classic Wilcox defense that can come in and force somebody out of what they want to do. It was very clear. Nick said it. Everyone in the Doke beer said it. They're clearly going to run the ball. We knew they were going to run. And what did they do? They did it anyways. We could not get them out from what they wanted to do. And then eventually their passing game started to be good enough to the point where it was like, oh, shit. Now we don't really know what to do because they have shown their ability to pass somewhat. But I just, I don't know. I, I feel like we could have come in that game and like, all right, you're going to run every time? Cool. We're going to be ready for it. And we're going to force you out from your tendencies. And then we're going to force you to beat us through the air. And that would also play into a strength of ours with our defensive back talent. And I just don't, we just don't do it. And then I'm, I just am over here with my hands up. Like, I don't understand. That's what I'm saying. It's like freaking whack-a-mole over here. The offense doesn't work. Special teams doesn't work. The defense doesn't work. Why can't you all just function as one group for one season and like happen? That's it. It's not how sports works. That's not how Cal fandom works. It's like, it's, yeah, I, I get, I get that it's, I'm totally with you that it feels it's maddening. Like it's just like, like Christopher H said it best in the in the right for Cal Discord. He said, "I can't remember what game this was after. I think it was I think it was after Utah." But he basically said, "I I wish we didn't score 58 on North Texas." And I'm yeah. kind of on board with that. Oh, dude, I thought of the same thing, man. When we were talking about <laughs> Auburn earlier, I was like, "Thank fucking goodness we lost against Auburn." Seriously. <laughs> You know when you're talking about oh yeah we lost fans because because of the Auburn game we lost it. thank goodness we lost that game could you imagine if we had won that game can you imagine if we're going three and zero and then we go to Washington we get slapped fifty nine thirty two right it's just it's a different it's a different thing I mean but here's the thing like I think I think a lot of what you're seeing is right the only pushback I'll give is like so far in Pac twelve play which which we've only played four games like the two the one we won, right, Arizona State, we were clearly the better team from top to bottom. But we barely won that by three because we were still struggling from the quarterback spot, but they were struggling at the quarterback spot just as much. The other Utah game, somewhat similar, except their quarterback outplayed our freshman running, our freshman quarterback who was having his first road game at probably one of the hardest stadiums to play in the Pac-12. And then the other two games, their quarterbacks just were really good. Like DJ made, I mean, it's clear why he was a former five-star and why he played at Clemson. Like there were some throws that DJ made against Oregon State or at um, for Oregon State that were just, I I don't know how we're, that's just the it's tip of the cap. By um, the way, because you brought it up, Arizona State, Seven, Washington three, 14 minutes left in the third quarter. Pack 12 after dark. Pack 12 after dark. <laughs> oh, good God. Yeah, and I'm watching, I have the UCLA Stanford game up right now, and it's UCLA 21, 
Stanford zero with eleven twenty eight to go in the third. So and they're playing in Stanford. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? Would you look at that? So I mean, your point is made about the quarterback competition, the quality of quarterbacks that are out there. Ike, you're spot on. Like the close games and the winnable games were against teams that are questionable at quarterback. Right. Dude, exactly. But like the going other back two, to my previous point, you have control over that. In my opinion, like I, I, I don't know. I guess this comes to the bigger debate, but let's use Caleb Williams because I, I know. So the the second great debate <laughs> of the season, the mantra that Rob and I have talked about is this idea that a good offense or a great offense beats a great defense. No, no, no. Good offense always beats great defense. That's the the cliche line. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and I don't necessarily agree with that. And so I want to go to the Notre Dame game. I watched that game last week. Yep, the SC Notre Dame game. Yeah. Caleb, I mean, what more do you want? He's hella old. He's the Heisman winner. He's been with Lincoln Riley forever. I mean, you cannot talk about a more prepared person, athlete, to go up against a great defense. But Notre Dame forced him to play a different brand of football. They put a ton of pressure on him, and they forced him out of his tendencies. So this is what I'm saying. It's like, you go up, if you had the Cal 2018 defense or 2019 defense, take your pick. I don't care if we're playing Michael Penix every single week because I know that we can do some disguises in the secondary that will make him uneasy. I know that we can do things. We have control over our outcome based on the things that we can do. And if you have a defensive line that can, or just a scheme that is aggressive about putting pressure on the quarterback. I mean, the giants tried to do it against Brock Purdy and it didn't work. And then the Browns effectively did the Niners defense against Brock Purdy and it worked pretty damn well. Like there's ways that you can solve this when it comes down to just like one player, it's not the easiest task. And we are talking, you know, if you are so good at doing that, where you could literally take every single offense and solve it, then Justin Wilcox probably wouldn't be coaching Cal. But I, what I don't understand is why we have to get boat raced by all of them. <laughs> that's, that's my big thing. He's like, just cause you have a good quarterback, does that mean I should be expecting an L? In which case, like, we need to adjust our USC expectations. Well, I, well, okay, here's here's my rebuttal to some of that. First of all, Andy is calling a 21-year-old in college football old. Um, Damn, he's younger than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not remember Stetson Bennett? Like, that's, I mean, that's old. How old is Bo Nix? Like, 25? 24? Right? Caleb's only 21. Caleb's only 21. He's played since his true freshman year, and he hasn't stopped playing. Yeah, uh, Bo Nix is 23. 
Okay, fine. Bo Nix, you're hella old. <laughs> Bo Nix was born in 2000. Oh, the that real, you the old. real truth. That makes here. you and me old. I am very okay. old. Whoa, whoa, whoa! All right, I have one more. You'll never believe this. Okay, actually, how do how should I frame this? <laughs> Can you take a shot in the dark guess at one collegiate quarterback that um, is older than Bo Nix? In one year younger than Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's probably what? So a tw- basically, you're looking at like a, either a 24 or 25 year old quarterback. Uh, shot in the dark here is uh, Keaton Slovis. Ooh, I don't know about Keaton. Because Keaton's Not the been- one. I- Keaton's been in the league. Keaton's been playing college football for a while now, too. 22. Keaton's love is only 22? Yep. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, yeah, then I don't know. Sam Hartman is 24 oh. years old. You're right. You're I mean, right. he looks 40. Yeah, he's. <laughs> it's the beard. It's the beard. He is one year younger than Justin Herbert. And Stetson Bennett is. 26? 25. Oh, 25. Same age. Yeah. As Herbert. Crazy. Well, I mean, that that's a whole different subject yeah, of that, things yeah. that don't make sense in college yeah. football is like how these dudes, they're so old. These the, yeah, the COVID year all throws a wrench into all of it. Um, but back to my point here is, uh, and I don't even remember what my point was going to be. Um, okay. So my rebuttal to what you were talking about with Caleb Williams and all that, right? First off. I don't know how many NFL DBs we have on our roster because that 2018 and 2019 team, we had four, five, if you include Daniel Scott. I feel like Noel's NFL good. I think Noel, yeah, I think Noel has the size and stuff and talent to do it. But that's like one out of the six guys you play, right? Like, we don't know of any of them that are surefire NFL guys yet. At that point, at, in 2018, 2019, we knew, we knew at least three was surefire NFL. We didn't think we didn't think we would end up with five of them. True. Um, so that's that's the difference. Um, also, I think you're vastly underrating Michael Penix or even or Caleb Williams because they are vastly better than any of the quarterbacks that the Pac-12 was having run out there in those 2018-2019 seasons. Um, I mean, Bo Nix also included on that list too. Uh, okay, but like, wasn't Gardner Minshew at Washington State? Yeah, but are, you're saying that Gardner Minshew was on the same is on the same level of Caleb Williams and Michael Penix? I'm saying Gardner Minshew was pretty elite <laughs> in college, and he's had a, he's been fine in the NFL. I mean, who I don't know. Like, yeah, he's probably not. Caleb Williams, number one overall pick. I don't know about Michael Penix's draft stock. He's a first-round quarterback. Yuki's a first-rounder? He's a first-round quarterback. So, yeah, I mean... This is the first This is the first year where, legitimately, the Pac-12 is playing with three, maybe even four first- or second-round quarterbacks in the conference. You think Bo Nix is first-round? I think Bo Nix is first round. Holy smokes. 
I mean, it's 30 picks, right? I'm not saying he might not be like a top 15 pick, but who else? I mean, Penix, Williams, Knicks, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Oh, I'm like, I'm like blanking on names. Um, let DJ know. Uh, maybe Cam Ward. Like later, I'm probably not second round, but yeah, okay, three surefire. Maybe you get some later, but yeah, you're playing with, you're playing with NFL like QBs. And that's not to say some of these other quarterbacks that we play or don't play make it to the league at some point, like Jaden Rashada or uh, Dante Moore. Guys like I was that. curious who Washington had in 2018, 2019. It was Jacob Eason. Yep. And then Jake Browning. Yep. Both NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, but not didn't wasn't collegiate quarterbacks to the level of what any of the three guys we have right now. Or the three guys we just named. They're not. They're not. But Oregon, Justin Herbert. Yep. That's probably a good comp. Yep. I can agree with that. But that's all right. right? And we got got crushed by those Oregon teams outside of uh, Herbert's first year. No way. Crushed? Offensively? I didn't think so because, like, I mean, we thought we had a. We, we every single Oregon game feels like we were in it the last few years. I mean, yeah. I mean, if we don't, if we are we counting twenty twenty? That's like the that's the big debate, sure. right? Do you count that twenty twenty game? <laughs> like, like, hold on, I'm pulling it up. 2018, 2019. 2020, we won twenty twenty one seventeen. Yeah, that was the yeah twenty twenty one we lost seventeen twenty four. 22, we lost. We got whooped. I was at that. I remember that. Yeah. That's Dan Lanning's first year. 2019 was 17 7. That was Chris. No, that wasn't Chris Ball's. Was that Chris Ball's first year? It's definitely Herbert, though, right? Uh, 2019? Yeah. Isn't that still Herbert? Thought so. And then 2017 was 45 24. That was Sonny Dykes. Yeah, that was or, the that was the overtime game, right? With the Justin or the the Jordan Kanasha interception to see. No, that was twenty sixteen. That was twenty sixteen. Twenty nineteen, yeah, seventeen seven. Oh, I remember this Oregon game uh, in twenty. When was this? Twenty nineteen. This was the Friday night game. Yeah, I was at that game. Oh no, this is Saturday night. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was at that game. That's yeah, yeah. that's the perfect game. That game, all the Oregon fans came into that game being like, we're going to smack you guys. And I was like, nah, you haven't seen our defense play yet. And I remember that whole first half so vividly where all the Oregon fans are turning to each other saying, what's going on here? And I was like, oh, y'all haven't played a real defense so far this season. It's nice nice to know that you are now. Oh, that's- God, yeah, that's that's the Devin Monster game. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so once but- again, that goes to my point that we don't have a quarterback to play. Yeah, you're you're a thousand percent correct. <laughs> All that I'm saying though is like we had this ability to force teams out from what they were comfortable or what they were trying to execute, and I just haven't seen us do it anymore. And I don't know if the league's gotten that much better where I'm just like, oh yeah, like just you know everyone. I mean, I think it's both. I think our defense has re- has taking a steep nosedive and i think 
a lot of Pac-12 offenses has taken a steep incline. Increase, yeah. I think that's what we're seeing. Questions. Like, Question yeah. time. Question time. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. To the Twitters we go. Guess what, Andy, on, on our Twitter uh, handle? Our Twitter handle, at Golden Bearcast. We are... 10 followers away from hitting 1K. Oh, wow. We're at 990 followers. Sick. How, how wild is that? Please please don't stop following us. <laughs> yeah. We only need 10 more to hit a 1,000. Hit and we've only started this Twitter handle in 2019. That's not bad considering it's like a niche Twitter handle. We um, are on the up and up. We are very niche. But uh, we, got a, we got four <laughs> questions for you today, Andy. Shall we begin? Fire away. Fire away. All right, first one from Golf Grouch. Can you please update us on Brett Johnson? I was hoping you could return to full health after missing the past two seasons. I just don't think Brett Johnson is going to be the same player. I hate to say it, it's, but yeah, I mean, it's just he's gone through too much. Look, it if is he, what it is. If he turned his ankle and then like you know turned his other ankle, and that's like it was just like elongated, and that's kind of what happened. Sure, I'd be a little bit disappointed in in what's happening right now. But like the dude, like he's still walking and playing football despite those lower body injuries, right? Is like it's wild to me. Um, and yet, and yet, if you watch the game and you watch the defensive line, it's just that he's okay. First of all, it, it's it it feels like he's lost like half a step in terms of his speed, and who. Who could blame him after those injuries? Secondly, he's not getting the stats, but if you watch him on every down that he's playing first, and he and he was on a snap count earlier in the season. But if you watch him right now, the amount of double teams he's eating is insane. And if he's eating double teams, that's his job. His job is done. If he's holding two offensive linemen, because the other guys on the edge or whoever's standing to his right or like on the outside is going to get that one-on-one opportunity. That's the thing that Andy have been, and I have been talking about this entire podcast is that's what we're missing is that one guy on the outside because Brett Johnson is commanding that much attention. They should be able to beat those one-on-ones to get pressure, but we're just not. We need an Alden Smith. Yeah. But without all the baggage. We need an Alden Smith to our Justin Smith. We have exactly. our Justin Smith. We don't have an Alden Smith. Which is bananas. Yeah. Like that, That to all the people that are not on the Wilcox train, I am a thousand percent aligned that that is a, that is a damning piece of this. Yeah. That we've had so much time to just yep. get somebody that can do that. Yep. Just one person. Yep. <laughs> And we haven't been able to do it. Nope. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. All right. Next one. Uh, IRV Garcia says, or asks us, will Sergio Allen get a look at replacing Sturman? What do you think? I mean, I thought he was out last game. He was out. He was. I think he was a scratch last week, but who knows yeah. if he's healthy. If he's healthy, I- who do you expect to replace Sturman? I don't know. What about you? Probably Blake. 
Um, I'm just looking at like the roster depth chart from last week. I'm like, it's it's probably Blake. Um, looking at linebackers at who played. Yeah, it's it's Blake Anzalotos and where did Cade play? Cade played at linebacker as well. Cade is Cade's like inside outside. So. They are really high on Cade. I know that. But he is a true freshman. So yeah. I don't know how much you throw him into that starting role. I think he is part of the rotation at that linebacker spot now. But I think 65 70% of the time, it's probably going to be Ancelotto's. But yeah, I mean, the defense now has to be formulated around Caleb Elarmsor. Yep. He is going to be the, the vortex on that defense. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. We got last one here from N on Twitter. What do you think are the causes of our downgrade in our defense? <laughs> uh, I uh, truly hope. <laughs> yeah. Truly hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. <laughs> Lord uh, knows. Said you, it. Yeah. As many theories as possible, but <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> Do you think this is something new or has the defense been getting worse for a while? Wow, this is exactly what we talked about for the last 30, 40 minutes. How wild is that? That's good. I appreciate the question. It was spot on. It's exactly what I was wondering. Well, uh, that's it, Andy. But before we wrap up, there was a basketball event that happened uh, on Thursday, which like just is the – it wasn't just basketball. It was like the start of like – spring winter sports so they had the women's gymnastics team they had the women's basketball team and the men's basketball team but are you excited for the start of men's basketball in just over just over a week and a half that's wild to me basketball season's in a week and a half that's unbelievable i mean the nba yeah i saw that like nba's kicking off this weekend yeah that's Shocking. Wait, so, Rob, can you just tell us, like, what what was the event like? You are know, you buying the hype? How many games are you going to go to? <laughs> well, I'm going to be at every single home game just because, and probably the Stanford one in, in Palo Alto, just because I want to film and, and take pictures and stuff. Uh, but, okay. Well, the, basically what the event was is if you follow college basketball, a lot of the Blue Bloods do this. And we did this the Ivan and Jalen year where it's like they call it, but, I mean, the more traditional term for it is like Midnight Madness. Uh, where you do like a basketball pep rally around the team, you know, you do like, you know, a dunk show, maybe a three point contest, things like that. And that's basically what they did at Haas. Uh, they had the lights off. There was like, you know, some blue and gold lights and, and stage lights and they had a stage and they introduced the women's gymnastics team. They introduced the uh, women's basketball team. They introduced the men's basketball team. Women's gymnastics did like a, they had half the, uh, of the court set up with like the gymnastics, like beam and vault. And they were just doing um, some activity or not activities, like some moves off of it and showcasing. And then they had uh, the women's basketball team, like and the men's basketball team do a three point shootout in which Kerry Martin won with, uh, I think 12 made threes in 30 seconds. And then uh, they, I can't remember how many of the men's had. And then, uh, and then there was just like, there was a lot of like nothing happening. There were they had two uh students shoot like 
basically half court shots for a chance at a year's worth of tuition. Um, that didn't go so well. One girl, I think, tossed it from half court, and I don't think it sailed more than three feet before hitting the ground. More, um, more than three feet? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. I felt really bad. Um, did they give her a second chance? They didn't. They didn't. What? Yeah. Was it bad enough where they're like, it doesn't matter, second chance is <laughs> not going to be any better? Maybe. Uh but yeah, it wasn't yeah, that. And then there was like this big lull. And then like the, they were playing music and the players were just the basketball players were just on the court and with the gymnastics team. And they were just shooting half court shots just for the hell of it. Um, and then they had Stunna Man perform like three songs. And like no one was really like into it. <laughs> it was I, it was very awkward. And then and then the event just kind of ended. <laughs> Like, I was like, are they not going to do, like, a dunk contest, maybe? Or, like, do some, like, maybe, you know, two-on-two or three-on-three, like, with the women's and men's basketball team? Don't tell me this, Rob. And it just, yeah, it just kind of ended. <laughs> so, like, and all my pictures are dark because, like, they did not turn any, on any of the lights inside I noticed Hoss. that. I noticed that. It was so dark. And I don't have, a like, an F2.8, like, to get enough lights. It's, like, it's grainy. It's dark. My all my footage is gonna look like all my what's it pictures look like I took it with a a film like a disposable Fuji camera. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it ended. But in terms of the like the hype around the men's basketball team, it's great. I think uh, I think everyone's still waiting on Jalen Tyson's waiver. I think the news came out that they sent in the waiver request a couple weeks ago, so they're just waiting on that. But like he's they've been they've been fun they're fun to like follow on twitter and instagram just to see what they're doing on the court hopefully in terms of right for california stuff we're trying to set up maybe some uh interviews and and other things to to build a little bit of that that hype a little bit but the roster's there i think this team isn't a a 10th in the conference team i don't know how far up they go because the conference is pretty good at basketball uh but yeah, the talent turnaround has been per in I can't think of another word other than miraculous. Is Devin still on the team? Devin is still on the team. I would I would say Devin is probably the starting point guard of this roster. I'm very interested in how how Devin is used because his big thing coming out of like high school and his first few years in, in college was like he is a facilitating point guard. He's very good with his handles. Like he's very good at setting guys up and running an offense. Score he's he couldn't score, which we saw last year, but that shouldn't be his first like decision. So being on a team where he's the point guard and can like command guys, use motion, get guys open and use his passing ability a lot more than his scoring is going to be very interesting to see if how that transition works. And I was talking to Don at the event. And the biggest thing I think for me, or me and him is how much can this coaching staff remove the bad habits and like, um, just like a mentality installation. Like how much can they remove that from the guys that have stayed on this roster from last season into going into this new offense and new team. 
Because the wow. offense is the offense from this team, just judging from the Instagram videos and stuff, is modern motion basketball. Like you're gonna see centers taking threes. Um, you're gonna see a lot of pick and roll action. You're gonna see high lows. You're gonna see um like just like uh what's it? Picks, handoffs, and then like dump downs. You're gonna see like high post screen and rolls that lead to, you know, a guy maybe running baseline um from the dunker spot. Like it's you're going to see modern basketball, and that's clear as day. It's just a, a matter of can the guys execute? And do we have the skill position players to be able to execute? And I think Jalen Tyson is that guy that we yeah. need his waiver to clear because he is clearly, clearly, in my opinion, the the most talented player we have on this roster, and he looks the part. Like, he looks the part of a professional basketball player. Size, yeah. handles, just... Don describes it best as he just looks like a smooth basketball player. Like everything comes naturally yeah. to him. And that's what it looks like. Nothing looks unnatural. Cool. Almost like my guy, Patrick Christopher back in the day. Mm, very much so. Very much so. Oh, I miss PC. Those were the days. Those were the days. We'll get them back. Yeah. I think we're going to start to bring guys back um, into the fold, particularly the, the, the alumni. It's a weird year. I, I threw out this idea. It's a weird year, but just because it's the last year of the Pac-12, it would be nice to kind of honor or bring back the guys from that last Pac-10, Pac-12 championship winning team, which was, I think, 2010. Or 2010 was the last year we won it? Or was it, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2010. That would be fun. But yeah, basketball's right on the corner. They play uh, St... No, not St. Peter's. Oh, I'm getting this wrong. I was talking to Don about this too, and I keep St. Peter's is a team that made the NCAA tournament and went on a run. Um, they're playing yep. St. Thomas of Minnesota, 6 p.m. possibly on November 6th. So I was I was actually wrong. It's exactly two weeks away. Not less than two weeks. I'm excited. Rob, did we ever confirm the hundred million dollar practice facility? Well, they they. I, I don't think we ever confirmed it. I think it's still in the works. Um, yeah, that's all I know about it. It's like it's still being discussed. But look, everything I've heard coming out of that building, like not the facility that's about to be built, but just hospitably in, is like Madsen is like just a go-getter. Like he's getting stuff done. Hmm. Recruiting-wise, with the donors, with the the basketball alumni, with the fans, um, he's just he's just trying to get everything done. Like the 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 apt description that I received was that this coaching staff moves at a hundred miles an hour. Wow, love it. So I mean, he's the one who's bold enough to say that we're going to win twenty games this year and take a shot at winning the Pac twelve. Yeah, he he said it's all about championships. It's it's you know what it reminded me of. Remember when we were talking about Conzo back in the day, and you, you, how you always loved when Conzo would be like, "Yeah, we're like the goal is never just like the tournament or like you know a certain win loss. It's like it's about winning national championships." Remember how you loved that about Conzo? Yeah, Madsen's kind of the same way. He, he was talking about championships. Oh, and the best part I think about uh, that event is uh, he actually said Haas of pain. Love it's that. like a Twitter thing that we that people have been trying to to make happen because Keontae Kennedy said it in a uh, in a t- 
Twitter vid- Twitter video from Cal Men's Basketball a couple of weeks ago, where he said like this is gonna be the Haas of pain, and Madsen said that on stage. So all of us are taking that as the official word of yeah, that's what we're this this era of basketball mm-hmm. is gonna be called the Haas of pain. Sick. <laughs> we're ending on that. Dude, someone made a, a graphic of this on Twitter, and it says "Mad Dog's House of House of Pain." Sick. How awesome is that? I that I need that shirt. Sick. <laughs> I absolutely need that shirt. The hype is real. The hype is mm-hmm. real. So we'll see you Monday, November sixth at six p.m. at Hospitalian. <laughs> that's that's the that's the selling that's the selling point. But yeah, that's it. You got any closing thoughts, Andy? You ready? No, for take SC? us home. You you ready for SC week? Dude, I am so ready for SC week. <laughs> I am uh, hopefully going to have to play tennis that morning. But I don't know how you're going to play tennis that morning when it's a noon kickoff. I know. It's a not- <laughs> Dude, trust me. That's what I was saying. I was like, my I wasn't lying. I was like, my head's already working on logistics. But yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm hoping it's going to be Eva's first Cal football game. Oh, I'm going to miss it. Oh, my God. That's your fault for having a friend who has had wedding. In the middle of football, football season. season. Damn it. Damn it. But, yeah, it's going to be great. Last time ever. Might as well storm the field. <laughs> Definitely storm the field if we win. <laughs> Winner loss. With Eva. <laughs> the baby's coming with me. Please, please don't jump the wall. Walk down the stairs, please. Please walk Fine. down the stairs. Yeah, it makes sense. Please way down. too big of a leap. That's a long-ass yeah. fall. It's way too big of a leap. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for us here on the California Golden Bearcast. As usual, you can find us on Twitter. Get us 10 more follows, people. Let's get to get us to 1K, please. Um, and if you are listening to us, you know where to find us. And all our written stuff is over at rightforcalifornia.com. And Andy, what do we say as always? Go Bears. Go Bears. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.